KBCS is powered by listeners just like you. Support this and other KBCS stories, interviews, and highlights by donating at our website, kbcs.fm. 91.3 KBCS HD1, Bellevue, Seattle, Tacoma, a broadcasting service of Bellevue College since 1973. I'm Yuko Kodama. In 2011, Yolanda Verona was unexpectedly separated from her children after a trip across the border. She was deported to Mexico. As Verona found ways to connect with her children and worked toward being with them again, she helped other deported mothers to find services and resources. Verona became the founder and director of Dreamers Moms in Tijuana, Mexico, as many of the women Verona worked with are mothers of children who are U.S. nationals or qualify for DACA, Dreamers. In 2019, Mari McMiniman, Dana Scherholz, and I traveled to San Diego, California, and Tijuana, Mexico to cover border stories and listened to Verona's story of deportation and efforts to connect with her daughter. I first came to the U.S. in 1994. I was 27 years old. I have a son and a daughter, and they're still in the U.S. I arrived with them through the San Diego border with tourist visas. The 31st of December of 2010, I was detained and then I was deported on the 1st of January of 2011. Because I was on a tourist visa, I was able to go back and forth from Mexico to the U.S. So on the 31st of December, I went to Mexico through Tecate. It was a favor for my fiancé, who wanted to visit his family for New Year's Eve. So I gave him a ride to the port of entry of Tecate, but on the way back they didn't let me in. I gave my tourist visa to immigration. They checked it and everything seemed okay, but my fiancé had forgotten his wallet at home. So they sent us to the next desk. They checked him, apologized to him for the inconvenience, and let him go through. But they told me that I couldn't enter the country because they found the car we were in was mine by checking the license plates. It was almost midnight at the time, and they don't deport women after 6 p.m. They took me to San Isidro, California, in a police truck. I didn't want to sign the deportation papers. The treatment was brutal. They took me to a very cold, small room and stripped me naked. I think they wanted to pressure me. They twisted my arms and handcuffed me with my arms behind my back. My shoulders started to hurt really bad, so I asked them to loosen my handcuffs. I was shocked by what was happening to me. When we got to the port of entry of San Isidro, they took my handcuffs off because I kept pleading them to do so. When they did, that's when my shoulder dropped. It was dislocated. 
Mi hija tenía 15 años y mi hijo tenía 21, había cumplido My daughter was 15 and my son was 21 at the time. When I was dropped off at the border, I was very scared because I didn't know Tijuana. I'd always heard that the border was very dangerous, and it is. When I got deported, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I clearly remember the three different people who approached me. One man asked me if I was looking for a coyote to take me back to the U.S. They know that you were just deported. Another asked me if I wanted to grab coffee with him. I told him no. Another one offered me a place to sleep. I realized then that the border is really dangerous for women. I remember I had a $50 bill and I exchanged it. I was able to get some change for a phone call, but I couldn't remember any phone numbers. I didn't know my daughter's phone number or my son's phone number, but I called my job and they gave me my daughter and son's phone numbers. I called my daughter and she told me, stay where you are, don't move. Tell me what's around you, what do you see? I told her and she told me to call her back in 10 minutes. I gave her a call back and she told me, stay where you are, Anna is going to pick you up. Anna is a friend that took me to her home. I left with her and then after that, I can't really remember what happened. Realmente, Really, I continued my mother role from a distance. When my daughter finally, after a year, unblocked me from Facebook, she texted me. Hey mom, how are you? I'm sorry. At that moment, I felt like I needed to pull myself together. When she asked me to forgive her, I said, for what? She replied, for everything I did. I told her, I can't remember what you did. I asked her, how are you? We started to talk again. I remember at that time, she asked me, why do you treat me like a little girl? I'm asking you to forgive me, and you need to tell me that you forgive me. I told her that it was okay, that I should ask for her forgiveness, for leaving her alone. We started talking every day again. We used to Skype. I taught her how to cook. She learned how to cook with me through a device. She asked me to go grocery shopping with her, and I would tell her what she needed to buy. One of her favorite dishes is Hawaiian pasta. It's a recipe from my oldest sister. One day, my daughter told me, I'm craving Hawaiian pasta. Can you teach me how to make it? I told her, of course, go to the grocery store and get spaghetti, pineapple, ham, cream, and chicken stock. The both of us turned our cameras on on our phones. I would tell her, cook the spaghetti pasta with onion and some chicken stock. I watched her as she cooked it. And then she told me, it's ready. 
I remember she grabbed one single spaghetti noodle and threw it at the fridge. She said that she saw a video that if the spaghetti sticks to the fridge, then it's ready. I remember that the spaghetti stuck and then it fell off. We were laughing so hard at that. Then I taught her how to make the cream sauce. I told her how to chop the ham and the pineapple and the cheese. The finished dish was beautiful. Later, I told her to try it, and she said, oh, it's so tasty. I really like that. From then on, she tells me that her friends always ask her to bring Hawaiian spaghetti and mashed potatoes to potluck parties. This is beautiful, because even though I can't touch her, I can smell the spaghetti in my imagination. I saw my daughter's expression, and it's a blessing that I can talk to her through video calls, because otherwise I would have gone crazy. She can't come. Well, she can come to Mexico, but she can't go back to the U.S. I've only seen her once about four years ago at the wall. I only saw her for 15 minutes. She thought that when she was coming, she was going to be able to hug me. But then she arrived and experienced the wall. We would put our faces up against the grate. She's a bit taller than me, so she had to bend down a little. We could almost touch eyelashes. I could feel her eyelashes on my eyelids. It was very pleasant. We touched each other's fingertips. She told me, I'm never coming back to this place. It's awful. Neither of us cried. We were stoic. And we were standing there talking to each other. After 15 minutes, she told me, I'm leaving. I can't be here anymore. I'm never coming back. So I only saw her for those 15 minutes. I knew that there were many deported women, and I felt lonely. I wanted to talk to more women. I wanted them to talk to me about what is going on with them. I also wanted to talk to somebody who could understand what I was telling them, because when I would talk to my sisters or to a neighbor, they would pay attention to me for a moment, but then they can't really relate. Since 2014 until now, the fall of 2019, we have direct contact with more than 200 women. We are a group that is not only based in Tijuana. There are other women throughout Mexico, Brazil, and Guatemala. We have contact with them too. These are the women that we have had contact with. But there are thousands of women deported not only in Mexico, but worldwide. There are thousands of women without their children. 
Lo que yo creo que es más importante de este grupo es What I think is the most important no is that the women in this group don't no feel alone, that they don't feel like they're the only ones. Que, there are women who bueno, don't no have anybody here at the border. I don't have any family here. I'm by myself here in Tijuana and I appreciate that these women are here for me. That is the most important. The fact that I can give them real hope after maybe seeing a lawyer, that maybe they can go back to see their children. We continue talking all the time about the injustice that we face because of the immigration system. We want this to be known and heard so that at some point there could be change. Infamia de la que estamos siendo víctimas por el sistema de migración se conozca y en algún momento exista algún cambio. Yo quisiera que la gente que está en Estados Unidos. I would like for people that are in the U.S. to know we're here. We work mainly with women, but men can also come to us. When people are deported, we want them to know that we exist, that we are Madres Soñadoras Internacionales, or International Dreamers Moms. We're in the U.S. and Tijuana. If any woman is deported and sent to Tijuana, we are here to help them. That was Yolanda Verona, founder and director of Dreamers Moms Tijuana. Though we weren't able to reach Verona, she was able to return to the United States in 2022 on humanitarian parole and is now lawfully a permanent resident. Verona was able to reunite with her children, according to the San Diego Union-Tribune. Special thanks to Magdaleno Rosavila of Building Bridges for inspiring us to take up this story and connecting us with Yolanda Verona. <laughs> 